0: this is O ship the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them and there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host chameleon collective founding partner freddie laker hey everyone welcome back to another episode of O ship it's our first episode of 2022 in classic O Ship fashion, we actually had another episode scheduled, but I had a family medical emergency. Lovely had to call an ambulance to come to my house about 20 minutes before uh, the show started. So, again, if you're going to have a show called O Ship, you have to be able to deal with O Ship moments. But we've got incredible guests this week to really start things off with a bang for all of you. And it's around a subject that I'm crazy passionate about. It touches on global issues. I love anything that helps spanning cultures, and it helps understand, it helps the subject talking about how to deal with culture and bridge culture and communicate on a broader scale. And if you wanted to have a conversation like that and to get some great insight, who better than to have the co-founder and chairman of Translated? Now, if you're not aware of what Translated is, it is one of the largest global translation platforms out there. They have a staggering number of uh, translators in their, in their platform and, and translate, I, th- I think, over 180 languages I, I read online. Uh, Isabel uh, is also uh, the CEO at Pi School and the co-founder of Pi Campus, and we'll hear a bit more about those today. So I'm going to make sure I say Isabel's name cor- correct, as she's French. So Isabel Andrew, I'm sure I've butchered it, but that actually is in the spirit of what today's show is all about, which is really trying to understand abridging global cultures and understanding how you how you operate in multiple languages and different parts around the world. And I'm sure Isabel is going to challenge our thinking and have lots of interesting things to say on this week's O-Ship <laughs> Isabel, welcome to OSHIF. How are you?
1: Thank you, the uh, Freddie. Thank you very much. I'm um, very good, actually. And you just said my my my, my name very well, so. Thank oh, you so good.
0: Much. I do great. I didn't even have to hire anyone from translating. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's great. Well, I try. I try really hard. I've, you know, I've lived in quite a few countries around the world, and I. I always feel bad when I when I uh, butcher your names. I've I've had a lot a lot more challenging to practice with, so I'm glad I did you is, uh, justice.
1: Yeah. Also, everybody wants to be uh, na- uh to be uh, heard by its uh, own name, so it's very important. Yeah, yeah. I also Agreed. try to uh, make sure that uh, when I met some when I meet someone, I I uh, learn his name uh, in his own language. So that's
0: very cool. I love the giant heart behind you. So where where are you calling in from today?
1: from uh, Rome, a uh, beautiful uh, eternal city, Rome, Italy. Uh, it's where uh, translated as its uh, headquarters and uh, where we you know, decided to, uh, to run the business in Italy. Yeah.
0: Very cool. So I'd love to, you know, I talked a little bit about uh, translated, but I, I want to help our audience who may not know about you or your company just to have a little bit more understanding uh, of your background. So could you just uh, tell us a little bit more about about the company?
1: Yeah. So Translated is a is a very large platform. We are uh, we are uh, born as a um, uh, transactional uh, translation company, and we serve every kind of client, from uh, the private person to uh, small and medium enterprises. And recently, in the last three years, big corporates such as uh, Airbnb, Microsoft, Google. And we operate with uh, translators all around the world. So we have a flot of uh, 200,000 translators, uh, native speakers, all professional uh, translators. We actually don't work with all of them, but it's very important to have them in our database to make sure that uh, we pick the right one for uh, the document you need to translate. Because when it comes to translating a very specific document, maybe in a a rare language, you need to have that one person that is uh, particularly skilled to do that job. We help a lot translators with technology, we are a tech savvy company, Uh, we've been um, using technology since the very beginning when we started in 1999, because we were only the two of us, Uh, my husband and I are running the business together. And we had very few money at the beginning. So technology is something that uh, helped us a little bit when we started the company. And we also wanted to put innovation in, uh, in this, let's say, field uh, translation, uh, because we've been translating the same way for centuries. You know, you take your... Source document, your target document. You start translating. So, how can we help translators being more efficient? While the business was growing, we decided to help them uh, with technology. So, uh, avoiding translating um, twice the same thing or something like that. So, translating because to-
0: I mean, in the translation world, a lot of times people charge by the word, right? So, you're trying to find like real, real efficiency there.
1: Exactly. So. And also, how can you split the benefit of technology uh, between translators and the clients, which is something we really want to uh, do. We want things to be very fair. So that's also an approach we have. We try to build technology for them, but we also make sure that they, they use it. And they, they, because, you know, translators are lonely people and uh they they used to translate the same way. Uh, bringing technology, everybody is scared. Uh, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to translate less. Instead, it's the contrary that happens. They translate more, more volume.
0: So I'm intrigued. How many people are on the platform?
1: Uh, you mean in uh,
0: like the translators?
1: So the translator, two hundred thousand translators all around the world. Wow. Yeah. So it's a lot, but it's only, uh, it's, it's not all the translators in the world and our goal is to have them all, uh, an engaged community. Wow. So, uh, in our plans, it's about how can we engage such a, an amazing community of translators.
0: And, and to, did you start as a translator?
1: I started as a translator. I am, um, I am a linguist myself. So I'm, I'm French mm-hmm. and I studied, uh, in, uh, in France.
0: How many languages do you speak out of interest?
1: So I I speak fluent in Italian, French, English, a little bit of German, and I understand Spanish.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I only speak two languages, uh, English and American, um, <laughs> but I'm working on more. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'm the world's worst linguist. My my wife can speak Spanish and Italian and English all, all fluently, that's and uh, we lived in Shanghai for a while, and she started picking up you know Chinese really, really fast. I I think I can only thing I can do today is I think I think I remember how to give directions to the taxi to get back to my old apartment. And I think I can order two glasses of water, not one or three, but two, because I only remember how to say the word two in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I, I envy your envy your talents there. You, you, you talked about starting the company in '99, being very uh, technologically uh, innovative at the time, which I love. I love early uh, tech adopters. I, l- I love to hear the company's origin story. Uh, so, how, what made you and your husband you know, started, or did you did you did you meet at the business, or you know, how, how did it how did this all come to be?
1: It was not planned. I actually was a student in uh, in uh, Grenoble, uh, a city in the French Alps, uh, in France. And I was responsible for the Erasmus people, so welcoming them. You know, Erasmus is a program of for students to um, welcome them in other universities all around Europe. And uh, I was responsible for welcoming them. So I met Marco, my uh, my husband, who then became my husband. And when I finished my studies, I had to decide what was my future. So I decided to move to Rome uh, because uh, Marco had to finish his own studies. So I I took the decision. So I arrived with my two suitcases at the Roma Termini station, and um, we stayed together. The very beginning, I. Just uh, found. Uh, we found an accommodation. I bought a car. I found my first uh, job that was very, very far from where we actually decided to live. And I said, okay, so I, I moved, uh, leaving everyone behind. I don't have any relatives in Italy. Uh, just the, the the love for language, not not uh, not anything else. And um, it was very far from where we live. So it didn't make any sense for us. Like we didn't, we barely see each other at the end of the day. So we said, okay, why Marco is a physician and he studied physics and he's a, um, um, let's say, uh, tech guru. He loves uh, mm-hmm. uh, programming. It, it has always been uh, his passion since uh, he was uh, 14 years old. So we say, why don't we uh, combine our skills? Me being a linguist, I love languages. I love knowing about culture and you being like a tech guru. Uh, and why don't we help people with languages? Because it's so important to uh, talk the language of the other person, you know, uh, when you talk to someone in its own language it makes a difference. You talk to your to to his or her heart. So um, that's how it started. It started with love. So without any plan, without anything we were just also very lucky because the moment was the right time. Uh, it, the internet was starting. we bought the domain, the domain name and then we started uh, that's
0: a great domain name yeah. <laughs> sure it's worth a couple bucks everything was a steal back then I, I i'm sure there's this is just a coincidence but you're know, hearing you saying it all kind of started with love and there you are with that big beautiful heart behind you is that is that coincidence or is that something you've just kind of woven into the dna of the company no no it's
1: just in the dna of the company and uh, i want to be the that. advocate for that you know when you start your own company it's like uh, your first baby uh, I, I actually have we have three kids but translated is like our number one baby when you start it's, it's just like that so
0: number one because it, you started it first or you mean it's your favorite have you told your children that are they upset by this? <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding they know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's too funny um yeah. so so I, you know one of the things you you mentioned a second ago that i really loved you talked about uh this uh, speaking to people in their own language and how that connects with people in a different kind of way. And and so, what I'd love to understand is, tell me more about what you've learned when you think about you know, a company like you that is dealing with, I'm guessing, customers in probably darn near every country on earth. You're and you're none of you working in companies in different countries. You're then helping them to to interact with people in different countries. And I think. There's, there's something immensely powerful about that, and it's easy to go, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm translating some text, but it's so much more than that. And this is about you know global connections, and I'd and I'd love to understand like what what, what you've picked up along the way.
1: So I think it's I think it's it's super important to uh, to understand more about the different cultures because you have to to be more sensitive to a larger picture and diversity. And also being a a leader, uh, you have to uh, set an example. So being a leader myself or being a leader of a large company, you have to pay close attention not to neglect uh, essential matters when it comes to global business. And you have to set the example from the top uh, uh, in developing um, a global mindset. You need to be open to differences and uh, uh, approach uh, approach them with a non-judgmental uh, uh, point of view. So that's very important. Mm-hmm. And for the others to follow you, you need first to start acting like that uh, and go even beyond embracing the culture of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a big advocate of uh, for empathy because I think empathy mm-hmm. um, helps you understanding more the person you have in front of you and helps you communicate more being uh self aware uh, nurturing your self awareness helps you uh be being like more uh, i would say open so
0: so as a person as you know i'm like i said i'm i'm personally the world's world's worst linguist but i do think i have a, a high level of empathy which allows me to communicate with people in, in different ways you know, how many in a company with you know quite literally two hundred thousand translators uh, is you know you're you interacting with translators all the time. Is this something that that good translators take into account? Is or is this something you know you feel like when you talk about this? Is this about how you interact and manage clients, or is this something that you literally have to build into? thinking about how to do translation services. I guess I'm trying to say that you know you could When sometimes when you think about translation mm-hmm. it's easy to say, well I took this sentence and I made it say that same sentence in Spanish right yeah. but I, but I think there's more there's a there's another layer to it it sounds like you're saying which is about understanding perspective and the empathy and so h- how do you train that into translators? You know, to say, "Hey, it's more than just the words." Does that make that make yeah, sense? Yeah, exactly.
1: And you know, it's it, it becomes more and more difficult to make translators understand that understand that, but they have their own uh, uniqueness why uh, when they are translating their words. Because when you, um, for instance, when you take um, a document and you make it translated by one. Uh, translator number one or translator number two. Like uh, the, you will have two different versions because uh, because mm-hmm. if you translate it, uh, Freddie yourself, and if I translate it myself, uh, you will be able to to give uh, like your own flavor to it. And mm-hmm. today, it's more and more important to make sure that Translator Express uh, express that, uh, especially with technology. Uh, because uh, what makes the difference between an automatic translation, let's say, and a professional translation is the, the human flavor you put on the heart. On yeah. your heart, the heart you put on your translation.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And, so, and so your clients, by their very nature, if you're looking for translation, typically you would argue that they're global clients. You know, they're thinking about how do I reach new markets? certainly different cultures, even if it could be in the same country. What do you think the biggest challenges that global companies have to building kind of international business uh, when it comes to, you know, language and communication? You know, what, what are the stumbling blocks you think that they run into the most from from what you've kind of seen you know, in, in your position in, in doing global translations?
1: So I think uh, for them, it's, uh, it's about uh, how they will be able to share their message and their value and their uniqueness in. Uh, To a larger larger crowd. So I think that's the main challenge for them, to be able to be understood by the larger number of uh, people. So that's why it's so important to to do a deep dive in the specific culture of each country, uh, making sure that you are not translating in a language that is not the main language spoken in that country, for instance. Uh, or making sure that you are not translating, or either communicating uh, with colors that are not uh, the good colors for uh, like the Chinese uh, 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 or Korean culture, for instance. Okay. I think that's the main the main challenge for them.
0: Oh, it's, it's so funny you mentioned that. I was I was just about to ask you, you know, what what goes what goes wrong more often? Getting the words wrong or getting the vi- the imagery and the visuals wrong. When companies start to build these, uh, you know, large multinational sites, you know, it's, it's, like where, where do people find the stumbling blocks uh, the most often? And from what you see?
1: I think it really depends. But when you're a global company, uh, you need to make sure that you act on all those layers, on all those levels. Mm-hmm. It's not only about the translation; it's the entire communication, pitch, uh, color, mm-hmm. uh, schema, whatever. Mm-hmm. You need to take into consideration mm-hmm. that, and uh, I don't, I don't know if I have an example of how of what's the main uh, error we have. Uh, I think it's it's both.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and so sometimes uh, when I th- when I think about companies I've seen try and expand, you know, sometimes in, in my career I've had the pleasure of working with you know people like Coca Cola or Unilever or Diageo, you know, monster global organizations, and I think, you know, they have. One set of challenges, but then I think there's another you know other businesses where let's say you're a startup and you're um, a startup from the UK and you've you know you're trying for the very first time ever you said you know what i've I have a a real market in Spain and I'm gonna try and I'm gonna break into Spain it's the first time that I've ever kind of gone to you know another country do you think that this you know that those kind of let's call it first time people trying to bridge cultures? Do you think they have different sets of, of mistakes that they make or, or different sets of challenges? Absolutely.
1: And I think for them, the challenge is to um, project themselves in the growth. So they don't understand that maybe the code that they are doing is not compatible for having a multi-language platform, for instance yeah even the the business model uh how do you expand your business model to uh culturally different aspects uh take for instance right to left language how can you handle that mm. and you have to plan in advance the code everything expansion how can you uh plan expansion so mm-hmm. it's it's really a matter of Projecting yourself into the growth is something really important for them, and we often see uh, mistakes regarding that.
0: I want to change uh, change gears a little bit. You, uh, you know, obviously we've talked a little bit about translated uh, at the beginning of the show. I mentioned that uh, you're also the CEO of uh, an organization called Pi School, and you're the co-founder of a company. Uh, a group called uh, Pi Campus. So can you tell me a little bit about those businesses? And then I've got some follow-on questions for you. Okay. So
1: it starts with Pi Campus um, because when Translated became profitable, we decided to diversify a little bit our uh, revenues and to help uh, startups in the AI industry, so whatever field, in the AI because it's something we understood very well from the very beginning so we invested in startups from all around the world uh, that apply AI to several uh, fields like um, cool. for instance um, aviation, uh, transportation mm-hmm. in general, medicine and uh, so we have uh, now 52 or 54, I just forgot the, the right number, 54 investments
0: Wow, that's wonderful. They
1: are based uh, in Italy, and we're trying to make uh, a little bit of impact in uh, the Rome area where we stay, and worldwide. Uh, so that's the first thing. And then Pi School is uh, the one of uh, the spin-offs that uh, comes from Pi Campus. It's a school that helps uh, both companies to inject more. We help them injecting more AI Uh, In their uh, processes, if uh, they have like a pain, they've already tried uh, to inject AI in their own um, business, but maybe they they don't have the skills. We have them hiring uh, students from all over the world, engineers that we uh, convert into AI experts.
0: It, it, it sounds like you're very invested, uh, both literally, financially, and, and intellectually, into AI in general. So, is, I'm wondering where it came from. Is that something that was were you leveraging AI a lot and translated, or or did it kind of come off independently?
1: Okay, because Mar- Marco, my husband, is very a uh, tech guy. It happened that we used AI uh, intensively, making sure that uh, we had the maximum uh, revenue per person hiring the, the good number of people, but maybe less than the, the industry standards. So it's something we understand well, we, we don't want, so the ph- philosophy behind that is uh, why would you do something, why would you do repetitive tasks uh, if the machine can help you? And it. Mm-hmm. so how can you make an impact? How People are more intelligent than uh, doing the same thing all the time. So how can we help? Uh, translators, How can we help our project managers? It doesn't make, don't give a lot of value if you do the same thing every day. Uh, instead, you have to spend more time uh, on the phone with the customers uh, rather than uh, writing the same email. Mm-hmm. So everything is, that is repetitive within the company has been automated somehow uh, to make sure that the person is able to give uh, its own value to uh, its job, so humans in general uh, need to do um, intelligent things, uh, and machine can support that. So that's the philosophy. The,
0: so I te- I teased you about your uh, your, your your favorite baby uh, being your first your first company, but I am intrigued with, with fifty three investments, which, which I think is remarkable. By the way, what are what are some of your favorite investments uh, with uh, with
1: so in you know it's a it's a long-term investment, uh yeah, minimum 10 years. We've been investing in uh Boom, uh which is a supersonic airplane, uh the next Concorde, uh, together with uh Richard cool. Branson at the very early stage. Uh and I think this one is is uh is going to be like a, a new uh, unicorn for sure.
0: That's exciting. I've been I've been following uh Boom as well. Actually, I my my 13th birthday present is I, I got to fly on Concorde and I got to, and I got to go in the cockpit for takeoff. It was it was pretty pretty amazing. Wow. It was one of my one of my Excellent. great great lives. It's also it has a distinct memory in the spirit of our ship. It's the only plane I've ever thrown up on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I always, well, the, the, the Concorde did not do well in turbulence. Mm-hmm. It was not a, it was not a turbulence friendly plane. And when that, when that, when it hit turbulence, that thing would drop, you know, hundred feet at a time. It was, it was a little rough, <laughs> but that's exciting with it, with Boom. I, I so uh, I can see why you'd be very, uh, very passionate about that.
1: Yes. And uh, also we have, um, I mean, so Boom is the, I would say the most uh, promising we, had, uh, we have other companies uh, we invested in uh, in the field of medicine. For instance, how can you help people with cancer to find uh, the right cure for them? You know, it takes like six months for you to, uh, to know which is the uh, great cure for you to be treated. Uh, how can AI help you without? So, uh, so the, this company is called uh, Cambridge Cancer Gen- Genomics. Uh, it's um, a company that was created also by um, by Cambridge, the University of Cambridge, and uh, they are doing a lot of uh, cool things for cancer. Uh, so in the field of medicine, we have two or three that are very promising.
0: I, I love that. I love how diversified you are. I have I have to ask, uh, where did, why, why pie?
1: Oh, it's a long story.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a shorter version.
1: <laughs> uh, okay uh 314 uh, is uh the,
0: sh- the short version yeah, of yeah
1: uh everything is written so my version everything is written everything okay. has a sign in the unit you know, i'm a believer of things from the universe so you know our first uh, office was uh in um, via nepal you know streets in italy are called via via nepal and yeah. our first trip with marco was in nepal so when we we saw uh, that there was a, a rent available for an office in in Rome in Vienna. And we said, okay, it's written. Let's take this um, this office. Uh, and we have so many stories like that. Uh, Marco was born uh, three uh, three fourteen. Uh, Einstein was born three fourteen. Uh, yeah. Three fourteen is
0: three. Uh, so so it's, a, it's, a, it's a number but, that's always there. That always, always there,
1: uh, always there uh, in our.
0: And what an interesting number that to have. And so you brought up you brought up Einstein and, and I have to ask, so I, you know, I've been I'd reading about you before before the show in preparation for chatting with you today. And I had caught wind that I believe it was a hydroelectric power station or something like that, yes. designed by Albert Einstein's father exactly. that you guys had bought and were like renovating it into some kind of new office or something. Is that right? So it's not a new
1: office. We are actually we say, okay. Uh, you have to take responsibility when you are an owner of what you are doing, know, about the people, about uh, the energy that you're consuming. Uh, We have people in the campus uh, here. We have uh, 300 people here in Rome. So uh, producing AI is very costly in terms of energy and uh, CO2 uh, CO2 that you are producing. So how can we uh, reduce the impact on the environment? So we said it would be cool to have... Uh, to produce our own energy and to be um, green. It's one of our objectives. Uh, so yeah. again, uh, so we were th- uh, seeking for a solution. And again, it happened that the power plant is from Einstein's father. So it wasn't... So, so you plant. found that
0: out afterwards. And then, of course, you were like, it's written. It's written. Let's
1: take this one. So actually, this power plant uh-huh. is producing the energy for the entire campus. Uh-huh. Which is cool. And oh, I'm cool. proud of
0: that. I also believe in um uh, kind of numerology and the significance of numbers. And I and so I think that and I've seen patterns in my own life that I'm very kind of drawn to, quite superstitious about numbers. So I think this is really uh really cool. I love that. I, and I'm glad and I appreciate that. I, if that was the short version, the short version made the point. It was it was great. I, I liked it. So I okay, got just a couple more questions for you uh today. You know, one of the things I'd love to, to understand is uh, you, you, your business translated. Again, it's got a, a significant number of people involved in it. They're working from all over the world. And I've they, and read a lot of things about uh, you running the business you know, differently than how other people would try and approach you know, a business. From the, you know, the way that you're doing kind of offsites and gatherings. And I've heard you've got a villa that people come and collaborate in. Lo- lots of really interesting things about how you're trying to reinvent work which, um, you know, is also a subject I'm super passionate about. So I'd love to hear, you know, maybe a couple of things you're most proud of that, that sets translated apart from how other companies work.
1: Yeah. And uh, as I said before, uh, as an entrepreneur, you feel the responsibility of the work that you are doing and especially the people that take their time to uh, actually do the job. And um, I I really believe uh, that you have to make uh, people feel comfortable to make them thrive. It comes also from my personal experience, because when I started uh, in Italy, I was uh, hired in an office that was very gray, not putting a lot of efforts in uh, uh, welcoming people. So I said one day, I don't want to uh, transmit the same experience to, uh, to the people who decide to take the journey with me. I need to make sure that they can express themselves and thrive. So we have these beautiful villas with uh, sports activities available for uh, employees. Uh, I know that you guys in the U.S. Uh, and especially in the West Coast, have this kind of uh, let's say benefits for employees, but uh, in Europe it's it's uh, it's quite uh, unusual. In, yeah, in, unusual to uh, put your focus on on people, and I mm. uh, I think that uh, if you have happy people, they produce more. If you think all, if you always talk about numbers, it's not going to work. You have to talk about people first. So, we put a lot of attention to our team and we make sure that they grow, that uh, we accompany them through their uh, professional journey. We have also uh, a villa that we bought several, uh, two or three years ago with. The fund from the company that uh, we opened uh, for uh, the people's family to make uh, to to I mean nobody in the in the company would have been able to buy such a luxurious villa villa by uh, on his own, but um, we did it with the company and everybody has uh, its own coins and they can uh, go there on a weekend in Tuscany and uh, share some good time. Uh, with their family that's for them and we also do offsite there uh, these are the kind of examples that we i can give you uh, we also have sports massage uh croissant uh, everything
0: yeah <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny when when people i think sometimes of struggle with uh having an inward focus when it comes to a company whether you know uh, recently a chameleon collective you know our our even our mission statement and our purpose are are inward are inward facing. And I think a lot of people um you know think that it always needs to be about, you know, your 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 clients. But actually I think and if you know a lot of the purpose is enabling the success of your people and you prioritize your people if your most valuable asset is is those people. And I don't mean because you retain them and hunt them down or whatever. I mean, in the sense that, you know, that's what clients are hiring you for. They it's want not- the best translators, or in my case, they want the best you know, interim leaders or consultants or recruiters or whatever. And so if you make a company that is is a, is a you know, I call it a honeypot, but like a honeypot for great talent, it's where, it's where all the best people want to be, then you know you it's 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 in it's good for the people you're doing something that makes you feel good because you're making your team feel good and making them excited and improving their quality of life and at the end of the day it you can rationalize it it's good business in my opinion yeah and it, you know and it, you're you're actually helping your clients because you 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 need to retain the best people to be mm-hmm. the best business you can be
1: it it starts with yourself, so how can you have an impact mm-hmm. uh in what you do mm-hmm. and uh it can be you have an impact on on all your behaviors as a leader you have to to lead that way so how can i have an impact yeah. on the people i lead how can i have an impact on my uh, translators on my customers uh, it's all about it's all about that
0: so so what, if you if you look back at the leader that you were 15 years ago or 10 years ago versus the leader that you are today what what's the biggest thing that's changed for you
1: Uh, Self-confidence, understanding that you are uh, leading by example and what Mm -hmm. you're doing, you're doing for for the others and for yourself, of course, but for the others. Mm For confidence, for for sure. And also, yeah, not to be afraid of of, uh, doing your best, Uh, not to be afraid in general, uh, Mm -hmm. embracing the future and embracing change. I think that's that's uh, pretty much uh, how different I am today.
0: Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> great. And and do you do you do you and your husband uh, kind of still uh, does he have a very sp- specific role with the company, or do you guys kind of co lead this today? Like, how, I mean, now it's such a much larger organization. I'm interested to know how you guys kind of par- partner up.
1: So Marco is the CEO of the company, uh, always uh, having an eye on technology because it's. He yeah. doesn't want to delegate, he's <laughs> uh, a yeah. macro managing technology. It's, it's, it's,
0: uh, yeah. he, it sounds like he loves he it. loves though. it.
1: Yeah. I do take care of the trainings, mm-hmm. the people, the growth of uh, the people. Uh, that's what I'm most, uh, let's say, um, fascinated about, uh, when you empower people, uh, I love, uh, seeing people blowing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it resonates a lot with me. So, and I, and I'm so also an advocate for women. How can you combine like, uh, family life with your business? So I try to be uh, kind with, uh, our female leaders in the company and they are a lot.
0: So you, you know, I, I I used the term a second ago, uh, for you and your husband as kind of co-captaining, uh, the business. Um, but I heard this is not the only thing that you guys are co-captaining. Uh, so could you tell our audience a little bit about this you know, wild sailing adventure you're about to go on? I just thought this was the coolest thing I heard today.
1: It's a crazy project, but beautiful. So how do, how do I start? Um, so in 2023, uh, there's going to be the fifth, 50th anniversary of the Global Ocean Race, uh, which is a race uh, all around the world. Uh, that started in Amazing. 1973 and uh, people have these beautiful sailing boats uh, from uh, this period of time and also for the 15th anniversary you'll have to have the same kind of boat, boat from the from that time so and so,
0: so they're not so you not, you're not, not chock full of technology no, and, and the thing they like, like real we, real sailing boats
1: how did we um, decided to to participate is it's just because uh, there won't be uh, any technology uh, allowed wow. on the boat to do the uh, the round the world
0: uh, navigation, or yeah. and
1: we say okay, so it's all about the people. How can you make yeah. like the perfect team? Uh, there's going to be a leader. There's going to be uh, every. I mean, everybody is going to have like a a role, and it's about the people. So uh, it's a perfect example of how people, humanity and uh, how the people are important in in leading, in leading the thing. So we decided to participate uh, and we are engaging uh, translators all around the world also to participate with us. So we are doing the selections and the training. We actually have two boats. Uh, so it's also uh, about engaging not only translators, but also our clients uh, uh, everybody in the translation industry can uh, actually participate with us. Um, and we will train them, uh, starting this year and it's already a little bit late. So,
0: <laughs> but uh, I love it. That's wild. Uh, did pie come into effect on this? Did this, did, were there any numbers on the, <laughs> on the ship or on the race? So you're like, Oh, it's on March 14th. I had to do it.
1: <laughs> uh, it's, uh, the ship we bought was actually, uh, Claire Francis uh, first boat, uh, Claire Francis is, uh, one of the first female, uh, sailor to have done the round the world. And, uh, yeah, that's why we decided to, um, to have her boat. I love it. She, she's also well,
0: you are a very inspiring person, uh, with a very cool business, with a very inspiring story. And I think that's a really, uh, really wonderful, uh, place to kind of end, end this week's episode and Bill, I want to thank you so much for you know, start, starting our ship in 22 on such a high note. You're charming and, and, and insightful and thoughtful. And I, I really enjoyed chatting with you. But, you know, before I kind of sign us off, is there any key places that people should be looking to follow you or your companies in, in social media or online?
1: so uh translated on linkedin my personal linkedin profile and on instagram because i i also like to inspire women and inspire people in general so
0: and i tell you if we get to your instagram we'll be seeing some cool sailing shots over the next uh next year absolutely okay awesome great great motivation well uh everyone thank you so much for tuning in this week we appreciate all the support that you show OSHIP. uh the best thing you can do to support the show Uh, whether you, uh, you know, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, or LinkedIn, or YouTube, our primary video streaming platform, or you're subscribing to us via any of our audio podcasts across all the major podcast platforms. The best thing you can do is tell a friend, share an episode on your social feed, give us a like, give us a follow. All of these things help contribute to supporting the show so we can continue to bring you this great content every week. And this year, and years beyond. And if you want to find out any more info or find quick links to any of these platforms, just visit us at oshipshow.com. Thank you again for your time. Isabel, thank you again. It's great great seeing you. And I I thank all of you for for tuning in. The OShip Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising the sails for the O oh Ship Show.